SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Listening to Scott Wetzel will give you a bad taste in your mouth. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Hour number two of Bagels and Bad Beats on this Friday morning with yours truly, Scott Wetzel, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. Our toll-free telephone number, we'll wrap some phones this hour, 844-843-6879. So hop on board now, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. We got our poll question up on Twitter for the day. And that is uh, with the NBA starting its training camps, uh, your least favorite sport is so far soccer leading the way. 51% of the voters we updated, NBA 28%, NHL 14%, and other getting 7% of the vote. Uh, again, uh, go to the feed, get your vote in there. We'll update that a couple of more times. Uh, by the way, yesterday, as we always like to do, just to recap things, uh, who won the John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade? Report a trade anyway. Uh, nobody. Ends up winning it. Uh, trash for trash, as I put on the poll, 32% of the vote. <laughs> Who cares? This is why I thought maybe the NBA would win today's poll. Who cares gets 28% of the vote coming in second. Uh, Wizards, 20, and uh, Houston Rockets, uh, 19%. So uh, there you go. Uh, NFL, we got the full slate of games on Sunday. Full slate of college football. Not that many so far, dare I say it, knock on wood. You know, last week we had uh, at least a dozen, I think it was 14 football games that got postponed. Well, the week before we had a dozen football games uh, get postponed in college. So far this week, I counted only four. Now, we had a slew of college basketball games end up getting postponed because of the virus last night. Uh, There were about a dozen or so college hoop games uh, that that got wiped off the board. But college football-wise, at this point, not that bad compared to uh, other weeks. NFL so far, nothing. It seems like they've been able to survive this latest storm with Baltimore. They actually had a couple of days now without any new virus cases coming out. Uh, Jim, uh, excuse me, John Harbaugh, uh, Ravens head coach, was asked on whether Lamar Jackson was going to be available for Tuesday's game against uh, Dallas, and he just basically said, I don't know. You know, it's amazing how these reporters, sometimes they are a little dopey. They, They really are. Uh, He said at the beginning of his press conference that, you know what, it's not my call. It's up to the doctors. I'm not a doctor. So as long he said, as long as they get clearance, meaning all the players, then, uh, you know, I I can't say whether they're going to play or not. So then he was asked about it again. And he's like, what did I just tell you? You know, I mean, it's not up to me. Yeah. When they get clearance, they'll play. It's as simple as that. So and then it's like big headlines. Well, Harbaugh. You know, hesitant on saying, you know, hinting on whether, the, you know, Jackson will play or not. He's not being hesitant. It's not, it's not up to him. They got to pass protocol. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's, it's not anything pertaining to whether he's healthy or not, as far as an injury is concerned. And it's whether he passes these protocols with the COVID. So it's, who knows? He's got to go into this weekend thinking that he's not going to have Lamar Jackson. In best case scenario, he does. Because who knows, you know? Wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for them to come out of this thing and say, sorry, he's going to miss another week. You know, so what are you going to do? You have to play Trace, uh, you know, McSorley, uh, who is you know, basically awful at Penn State and probably going to be awful here in the NFL. So you'd write that down as maybe a Cowboy win, believe it or not. So it is what it is. 
All right, Bengals and Bad Beats on this uh, Friday morning. Final hour, yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting in, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time, 844-843-6879. We'll do our uh, college football and NFL trends next segment. Uh, so get out your pad and pencils and then be prepared for that. You know, college football, uh, the polls came out this week, nothing crazy. You know, you're starting to get a little bit of bickering, though, in the college football world. Not sure if you saw this story or not, but... The uh, AD slash, or actually the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, uh, kind of took a shot. Not kind of, he did. He took a shot at the ACC, which this week said that they're going to eliminate one game. So everyone in the ACC plays nine games, not ten. Some were going to play ten, and some were going to play eight. Uh, some were in line to play seven because of the coronavirus. And then they finally realized, you know, it's probably best if we just say nine. Forget about the last game. Uh, it wouldn't be right to have some teams play 10 games and other teams play, like I said, 7, 8, or, or 9. So, I mean, on the surface, it sounds good. And I did look at it, being the skeptic that I am, I did look at it from the standpoint of tiebreakers and everything. And I was concerned, you know, because Clemson's missed a couple of games. I was concerned. This is why I thought they originally did it. I thought they were going to, because the tiebreaker is, um, you know, win percentage. So I thought they were concerned that Miami was going to be playing 10 games and go 9-1, and one, and Clemson was only going to be able to play 9 games and go 8-1. and one. Remember, they lost to Notre Dame. That counts as a conference game. ACC joining you know, Notre Dame this year in football for the virus year. So even though Clemson walloped Miami, if Miami played that extra game and won it, they would get in, and then their ACC championship would be Notre Dame and, Clem and, uh, and Miami. So that's why I originally thought the ACC said, nah, we're not going to play 10, we're gonna only going to play 9. But um, that's actually not the case. Uh, that that would have been a great conspiracy, but that is not the case. You know, They're basically online to play the same amount of games, and it, it was just a few of the other teams weren't. So, but uh, SEC Commissioner Sankey's not too thrilled about it because he thinks the ACC is uh, preventing Notre Dame and Clemson from maybe losing one of those games, saying uh, that they're ranked in the top three. If they were ranked five and six, would be the limit of those college football games. I don't think that played a role. I mean, Clemson and Notre Dame are not losing schedule. Notre Dame's not losing the week. Yeah, that, that's not happening. Bengals the bad beats. Trent's coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I wish I could just be like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, this is what's going to happen. I mean, if, if that was the case, you know, I'd be able to tell you a lot different. I'd give you the lottery numbers. I mean, it's it's... I wish I knew that's it was that easy. You know, all we can do is just keep keep grinding through practice and keep building the building the chemistry on offense. And when we get out to those games, and it's like we get kind of rolling a little bit and get some completions, and then all of a sudden we hit some big plays and we put multiple drives together. All of a sudden, you might look back at that game and say, "All right, here that was a breakout game." You know, we played the way we needed to play. <laughs> Bad beats on 
Gates on this Friday morning, 844-843-6879. Open phone. That was Jets head coach, current Jets head coach, emphasizing current, obviously. Uh, Adam Gaze, who doesn't figure to be Jets head coach uh, for very much longer. Uh, talking yesterday at length, and I was a little surprised, the honesty. It just shows probably the point that Gaze is at. The first time that they actually, you know, whether it's true, I don't cover the Jets, used to, but I don't cover the Jets anymore, but... Um, this so he may be like normal in in these media sessions, but the media has latched on to his goofiness. So every week, every clip you hear of him and see of him in particular, you know he he comes across like a goofball with those you know glaring eyes. You know, and the, he's always wearing the baseball cap. I don't know if he's bald, full head of hair, afro. I don't know what he has there, but he always has the baseball cap on, those piercing you know shark like eyes. He's just very weird, right? So but that's the first time in a long time that they presented Gates in a normal light, where he's just talking about the Jets' offense. He went off on the quarterback Sam Darnold yesterday, saying that he blames himself for not grooming Darnold, saying he's got to do a better job. Uh, I came here to help him, he says, help him develop his career, and we haven't been able to do that. Uh, so they want to try and, you know, they're acknowledging they've effed up with this guy. You know, Gase is only 7-20. and 7-20 and 20 in his two seasons, obviously, you know, 0-11 this year. So um, I, I, I still think he's got a shot. Ultimately, if, he, I'm in, if I'm at FanDuel, they say, well, Adam Gase, you fired. I'm saying yes. But I, I would not be that surprised if he gets another crack at this thing. I, I really, I wouldn't, just because of the injuries that he suffered, including those to uh, Sam Darnold. I think I'll go so far as to say with the Jets, I think their bigger decision is, are they done with Sam Darnold and draft Trevor Lawrence? Or do they think they have something with Lawrence, knowing or uh, with, with uh, Darnold still, knowing that they can get, what, two, three, four maybe you know are we talking like an rg3 deal if, if they went and said to the nfl world listen our first overall pick if they end up getting it our first overall pick is up for bids you know go ahead start bidding you know what would a team you know what would jacksonville which holds the number two pick that may love you know him what would, uh, you know, pick any other team? You know, Carolina Panthers, and they believe in Teddy Bridgewater. You know, the, the, the New England Patriots. Now, I don't know if the, the Jets would deal with the Patriots. Probably not, but just throw them out there. You know, and throw any team out there, obviously, that needs a quarterback. You know, what would, uh, you know, I know it would be salary cap hell, but if you could get it done, I would deal with it, right? If the Philadelphia, if the New York Jets said, boy, we're in love with uh, you know, Carson uh, Wentz, uh, we will take him. Uh, and the five draft choices you're going to give us. And we'll give you, whether you want Darnold or not, you can take them and uh, the number one overall pick. You know, what could the Jets get for the number one overall pick? That, that's the point. You know, so if they, I, I think that's a bigger decision than Gaze. I, I think they can live with Gaze. I don't think he'll survive. But, I, you know, the management seems to like him for some dopey reason. I don't get it. Nobody else does around here, but the management does. So I think the biggest decision on their plate is not whether they're firing their head coach or not. It's whether they're going to buy into Sam Darnold or not. What do you do? Now, listen, Darnold was a top 10 pick. Darnold was a number two pick. It's not like he was, you know, chump change. Not that long ago. You know, we're talking a couple of years here. So 
that's what's on the Jets' plate. Uh, but it's good to see again Gase for the first time just kind of like show the world that he's human because he's come across as, as a goofball over these last two seasons as head coach of the Jets. And then um, I don't know if he's trying to save his job. I don't know if he's resolved to the fact he's being fired. You know, when coaches do this stuff, you know, they do one of two things. They, they tell the world that they're going to give up play calling when they you know, are calling the plays or they're taking over play calling if they're not normally calling the plays or they acknowledge that they've effed up and they got to do a better job. And those are the two signs of desperation for uh, a head coach. All right, let's go over some NFL trends for this weekend, shall we? And then we get some college football trends as well. These are the top five trends that I've been able to find for you guys. Uh, what is really, really surprising? I did not know this one, and I'll lead off with that. Bears laying three at home against Detroit, right? Detroit, you know, is a train wreck, but they fired Matt Patricia. Uh, so uh, Daryl Bevel, who, who's just brutal, uh, is going to be the interim head coach. Uh, Bears have lost five in a row, so you got two reeling programs. Detroit, in fact, is only four and 16 straight up their last 20 games. Here's the trend, though, that uh, pushes it towards Chicago. You know, for all his faults, Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky, 16-3 and against losing teams, including 4-0 in the division, 11-8 and against the spread. Six, you know, and, and I throw that 16-3 and against the 11-8, and which isn't that impressive, just because, you know, you're laying three. You're, you're generally, if you win the game, you're, you're generally going to cover. You, you really are. Um, not many times. I saw, but not many times that you're laying three, you win, and you don't cover, or at least get a push. So, yeah, as bad as Mitchell Trubisky has been over the you know his four years in, in the NFL, he's 16 and three against losing teams. And the Lions, yes, they are a losing team. So pretty solid trend there with the Bears. Dolphins laying 11 and a half against the Bungles. Now that's a big number, but Miami is on a monster 17 and six against the spread run, obviously dating back to last season. Minnesota's laying 10 over Jacksonville. Don't necessarily like that game from that standpoint, but I do like the over as far as the trend is concerned. The over-under is 52.5. Vikings on a monster overrun, 15-5-1 their last 21 games. Again, going back to last season. Raiders laying eight against the Jets. Same thing here as far as that. Not necessarily interested in laying the eight or taking the eight, although I do think. You know, you're going to get a better effort out of the Jets, and I think you have to get a better effort out of the Raiders. I mean, you know, you lose 43-6 to six, uh, last week. You can't help but have a better record. But the over-under on this one is 47. The trend I like, and it hit last week, Raiders are 10-2 and two under now after allowing 35 points or more. Uh, they allowed 35-plus points against the Chefs two weeks ago, and their game did sneak under last week, despite them giving up 43 points. But it's in play again, and, uh, you know, 10-2 under when they allow 35 points or more in the previous game. So that generally means that they get embarrassed. They realize that, you know, I, I bet nine times out of ten they lost those games. And, and Gruden and company says, all right, we, we can't do that anymore. we got to right the ship, and, and we go conservative the next time out. So 10-2 uh, under after allowing 35. And a 47 is a pretty big number for a Jets offense in which Sam Darnold has not thrown a touchdown pass in 122 straight passes, which is an NFL current high right now. Giants at Seattle. This is a pretty good one. i got a fluky one here. Uh, but the NFC East, as I think I told you yesterday, 5-20-1. Straight up, 
9-16-1 against the spread in non-division games. So take all the NFC East teams, i.e. the Giants, and they have won just five games outside of their own division, covering only nine. And if you like goofiness, Seattle in game 12 of the NFL season, which it is for them, last 11 in years, 11-0 straight up and against the spread. It's goofy. You know, I don't know if there's anything special to be in a game 12 of an NFL season, but, you know, 11-0 straight up and against the spread is 11-0 straight up against the spread. So those are your top five NFL trends for this weekend. Do what you want with them. College football trends coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on this uh, Friday morning as we uh, check out the NFL and college football trends. Uh, we ran through the uh, college football trends. Uh, or excuse me, we ran through the NFL trends. Let's take a look at the uh, college football trends. Uh, best five we pick out every single week. Uh, college football trends, 3-0 and last week. We had a couple of pushes in there. Uh, now 13-14-1. The NFL, by the way, we were 0-5 last week. Uh, so still one game over 500, but it was a rough week for trends. 15, 14, and 1. So we've been doing this for, uh, you know, five, six weeks now, whatever it's been. And if you combine both, we're dead even. Dead even. One game under in college football, one game over in the NFL. You know, so, and I try and honestly do a good job picking out the, the best ones. Well, you know, I, I ideally I try and get ones that I think are going to win. But ultimately, it's whatever the really the strongest trends are. And it just goes to show, you know, my, my season-long point is with these trends, you really should just throw them out the window. You really should because some win, some lose. It really doesn't have any bearing whatsoever on the outcome of the game. And I do this every year on my radio shows, and it, it turns out to be the same thing. It's right around 500. It really is. You might as well not even know what the trends are. But they're so intriguing, and some look so good, and it's – Yet it's amazing how week in, week out, the trends don't hit. But that said, let's do them. <laughs> Here we go. Best five college football trends. I got Texas laying seven and a half at Kansas State. Now, not a typical Kansas State team this year. That said, they are 10 and four against the spread as tw uh, Big 12 conference underdogs, uh, and as they are here, obviously. And, and Texas head coach, as we pointed out before, Head coach Tom Herman, not good as a favorite. Uh, 13 and 25 against the spread as conference favorites. So pro Kansas State, anti Texas. So Kansas State plus the seven and a half should be the uh, trend play here. Here's a nice one Boston College is getting three and a half, uh, according to FanDuel, uh, against uh, Virginia. BC, 17 4 and 1 against the spread as uh, conference road underdogs. That's a nice trend. 17-4-1 is pretty solid. Indiana's getting 13-and-a-half at Wisconsin. Now, uh, Indiana's without its star quarterback. Now, the backup's a four-star guy. He's not some slouch, so don't get me wrong, but he's not Michael Penix Jr., who's on, you know, was playing great, obviously, for Indiana this year. But 
That all said, throw the injuries out the window. Hoosiers on a nice 13-4 and four against the spread run going back to last year. You got the replacement game, not Liberty, but BYU laying a nine and a half at Coastal Carolina. Uh, BYU, boy, you, you talk about a good year for the Cougars. Nine and oh straight up, but uh, almost as good with the boys in Vegas. Eight and one against the spread. They've covered every single win except one. So you get to this point at nine and oh, eight and one. I don't like them on the surface. I think that's a tough trip. You're getting a game on last second notice. You're flying all the way across the country. You're playing a weird 5.30 start time. Um, you know, they, they got to go. They are going blind into this game as Coastal Carolina is, but at least Coastal Carolina is at home so they can prepare a little bit more. So I, I don't like BYU laying a nine and a half, but trend-wise, yeah, I'm not going to get much better than 8-1 and one against the spread on a 9 and 0 straight up season. And then the last one, uh, Wyoming laying 17 and a half at New Mexico. Boy, the, uh, the Lobos just stink. They're, they're just awful. Uh, they are 8 and 33 straight up. And more importantly, for our purposes, 13 and 25 against the spread, including 5 and 19 their last 24 games. 5 and 19. They were a favorite last week at Utah State. I mean, I, I understand Utah State stinks. No, don't get me wrong, but they, they were a near touchdown favorite. You know, at least Akron uh, this weekend, which has lost 21 straight games, yet somehow or another is a favorite this weekend. But at least they're only favored by two and a half or so. New Mexico last week was a darn near touchdown favorite, and, and they got a wallop. So now they're a bigger dog at home, 17 and a half. But, you know, you throw out the point spreads, you just go with the trends, and the trends say bet against New Mexico. So, again, your top five college football trends, Texas laying seven and a half, BC getting three and a half, Indiana getting 13 and a half, uh, Coastal Carolina, or excuse me, BYU laying nine and a half, and then uh, Wyoming laying 17 and a half. And NFL uh, trends, as we said, uh, Bears laying three, Miami laying 11 and a half, over 52 and a half, Vikings, Jaguars, under 47, Jets, Raiders, and uh, Seattle laying, um, you know, I forgot to put the point spread down on the Seattle Giant one. What are they, about a seven-point favorite, I imagine? Uh, Seattle laying the touchdown against uh, the New York football Giants. I think they're waiting to figure out whether Daniel Jones will play. Uh, I would be surprised if he played. It really, to me, it would make no sense, right? I mean, you're not winning that football game if you're the Giants. You know, whether Daniel Jones is in there or Phil Sims is in there, you're not winning that game. So why risk injury? You know, especially with a hamstring injury, which those injuries are so quirky to begin with. You could pull that thing a heck of a lot easier uh, by playing than you can sitting on the bench. So why? I, you know, knowing that this is one of those games that you're not expected to win. The NFC East, uh, you know, has a tough schedule all across the board. It's Philadelphia playing at Green Bay. Giants playing at Seattle. Washington has Pittsburgh. And Dallas is playing at Baltimore. You know, maybe on Tuesday, maybe Dallas can beat Baltimore, depending who the quarterback is. But otherwise, and, and Dallas is a game and a half back. So otherwise, you know, those other two teams are not winning. So why risk further injury with Daniel Jones? Really, I, I, even if the doctor said, yep, you know what, he's fine. If I'm Joe Judge, I'm the Giants, folks, I, I am not playing him. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not, you know, no one's Seattle has got the Giants and Jets back-to-back. -back. No one in Seattle is fighting for their playoff lives. No one in Seattle is playing for a right to win the division versus a wild card, which is a big difference. And no one in Seattle is not that far away from uh, being the number one overall seed in the NFC. 
especially with the Saints, for some dopey reason, only being a three-point favorite at Atlanta. You know, Seattle wins and Atlanta loses, or, and New Orleans loses, then Seattle's tied for the best record. So, uh, point is, Seattle's playing for something here. I, I don't think they're going to poo-poo this uh, giant game, you know, much like they're not going to poo-poo next week's Jets game. I, I think you're going to get a real good concerted effort out of Seattle. So, you're not beating the Seahawks. No, no sense playing Daniel Jones. Not that he's the be-all, end-all, but he is better than Colt McCoy, I will tell you that. But still, why bother? You're not going to win. And speaking of Seattle, they got, the, you know, Josh Gordon back. I tell you what. Gordon's got more uh, lives than uh, than uh, a room full of cats. I mean, it is just amazing. You know, he is clearly, you know, the, the uh, Steve Howe of the NFL. I don't know what their love affair is with Josh Gordon. It took their sweet time, the NFL, giving him permission to come back. But he is uh, reinstated for the final two weeks. He'll begin his uh, COVID-19 testing today. And uh, could join, uh, if all the tests go negative, uh, the Seahawks for December 9th so he can play the final couple of weeks. I don't know why the NFL does this. He's permitted to take part in meetings. He can uh, take part in individual, uh, individual workouts with the club, but he's not able to practice with the team. And he can't travel with the team or attend games with the team until Monday the 21st. After Seattle's uh, you know week 15 game, so the last two weeks he, he can get. I, I don't quite understand why he's able to do all these other things, uh, yet just not practice or God forbid play. It seems to me if you're suspended, you're suspended. You know, you know it is what it is. If, if you're saying that you're going to be cleared to play Monday, December 21st or later, then why should you be allowed to be in team meetings? Why should you be allowed to be working out the team facility? You know, why, why, why are you allowed to do certain things but not other things? It, it just it doesn't make sense to me. You can be in meetings and you can have individual workouts. You just can't be working out with the club. I, I, don't, I don't get that. But this guy's got more lives, like I said, than a room full of cats. I, I mean, suspended time after time after time after time. You know, I suppose his saving grace is most of the stuff apparently is just for wacky weed. He's not dealing it. He's not selling it to kids on the side. He's not going to churches offering up uh, marijuana. You know, I mean, he's basically smoking marijuana. That that's been his downside. His latest little fall from uh, from grace was after his brother died last year, which is obviously a horrible thing. But that was his excuse for getting high. And uh, listen, we all have to deal with things, brother. You know, it all. You know, it's part of you being a mature person, showing that you can handle adversity in life. It sucks. It's not right. This, that, and what have you. But you know, if every single time something wrong in your life happens, you're going to turn to weed and get high and piss away an NFL career with which you can make millions and millions of dollars. Then And then you're just a dope and the NFL wants no part of you. Maybe that's it. Now, yeah, legal. It's not legal in the NFL. <laughs> it may be legal. I don't know. Is it legal in Washington, the state of Washington? I'm not sure. Uh, it is? Okay. Well, you know what? Know the rules. That makes it even worse. My producers tell me it's legal. That makes it even worse because it's part of knowing the rules. You know, it's legal to gamble in Las Vegas. It's not legal to gamble on Long Island. You know, it's legal to have prostitution in Las Vegas. It's not legal to have prostitution in New Jersey. So, I mean, I, if you deal with the rules. Just because it's legal in certain jurisdictions, and in, maybe even the state that you live in, it's not legal in the NFL. So you're going to piss away an NFL career, literally millions, I mean, think about that, millions of dollars. 
you're going to piss away because you want to get high. That, that That's, you know, if you ever needed a sign of a lack of maturity, that is it. So that, but that's Josh Gordon. But, you know, the NFL says, okay, we're going to give you one more crack. You know, you've been suspended five times, six times, excuse me, since the 2013 season. I mean, it's just amazing. He is the, the Steve Howe, clearly, of, of the NFL. But you know what? He's back, or at least will be in a couple of weeks. I will be back after this upcoming break. Bagels and Bad Beats on this Friday morning as we get set for NFL on Sunday, college football on Saturday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Man out. <clears throat> That's what I think of when I hear this music. It was in the song Eight Men Out at the end of the, uh, So I think during the movie and that, I think uh, the last season. Ladies and Bad Beats on a Friday morning. Uh, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt talking about the Houston Texans suspensions uh, from this week. Wide receiver Will Fuller and, and, and corner uh, Bradley Roby both whacked six games the rest of the year for uh, uh, using uh, PEDs. So this is the time of the year where the distractions kind of kick in, especially on teams that are out of it like the Houston Texans are. They got a decent little game against the Indianapolis Colts. They have played better of late. They've they won, uh, what was it, two in a row, three of four. So they're not necessarily back in the playoff picture at four and seven, but they're trying to save Romeo Cornell's job. I mean, listen, he's 70-plus years old. I don't think he's really seriously being considered, but they seem to like him. So, that, like I said, they, they played a little bit better. Uh, they got the Colts now twice in, in less than a month span. Don't know if they can win. As a Dolphin fan, I'm hoping that they kind of tough, you know, very strange year for a Dolphin fan. You know, you, you got the two-attack situation, which I wasn't happy about them drafting him. I really wanted Joe Burrow, but you, you get Tua. Then you get off to the good start, or at least halfway decent start with uh, with Fitzmagic. <clears throat> so then you get the wool pulled out from underneath you as they bench uh, Fitzpatrick, and then they put in Tua. Okay. You know, then they, they continue to play well. Then Tua gets hurt. His thumb injury, I don't know if he's going to be able to play this weekend or not. So we're, we're kind of up in the air on that. But you take on a Bungles team, so it really shouldn't matter. But then you have the dilemma of, uh, you know, wanting to savor the only undefeated season in NFL history. So we have Pittsburgh that we have to make sure loses at least one game. What are the games they play against the Buffalo Bills? So what you say? Well, Buffalo is playing in the AFC East. Last time I checked, Dolphins are trying to catch the Bills for first place. So it's a Dolphin fan. Are you rooting for Buffalo to beat Pittsburgh and give the Steelers at least one loss? Or are you rooting for the Steelers to beat Buffalo, helping the Dolphins' chances this year of winning the division? Very tough. Very, very tough. And now you got a game like uh, this one coming up with Houston and uh, Indianapolis. Now, on the surface, uh, Dolphins controlling Houston's first two draft picks this upcoming season. So you want Houston to lose. So those picks are high, 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 high. But... Miami is also battling Indianapolis for one of the wild card spots, in addition to Buffalo for winning the division. So it would help to have, uh, you know, uh, Indianapolis lose, much like it helped on Wednesday to have the Ravens lose against Pittsburgh, even though 
You know, for me, the big picture is making sure the Steelers lose one time. You know, they probably would lose, probably, not definitely. <clears throat> they probably would lose in the postseason against Kansas City, but, you, you know, you can't count on that. Or even Tennessee, depending on how the, uh, the playoff uh, structures work. But you can't count on that. You, you don't know. So it's hard rooting against Pittsburgh, knowing that, again, if Baltimore would have won, then they're going to be battling the Dolphins for a playoff spot. Uh, you know, Houston, you know, if they win, it's going to help the Dolphins make the postseason, but then it's going to hurt their chances to get a higher pick because that means one more win for Houston, which means, you know, that Texans first round pick is now looking at instead of being maybe fifth or sixth overall, you know, now you're looking at about 10 to 15th. Whenever Houston win, it probably jumps up about two or three spots. So it, it's been a weird dilemma for Dolphin fans all season long. You know, what do you do? Do you root for this year, basically? Or do you root for next year? Or do you root for history? You really you got three angles. You know, <clears throat> root for whatever, you know, helps the Dolphins make the playoffs this season. Root for whatever it takes to have the Dolphins' legacy of being the only undefeated team in NFL history remain intact. Or, you know, root for whatever it takes to have the Dolphins' ownership of Houston's first-round draft choice be that much better. And second round pick. That's that's uh, not many times you have three different angles in a season, but the Dolphin fan really does. And I got to tell you, I know this is going to sound crazy. And you know, in my podcast, I got a few Dolphin fans, so we're all in different bags here. But my priority would I rather have the Dolphins make the playoffs or have Pittsburgh suffer a loss? Or even have Houston's first overall pick, in which, again, the Dolphins own, be a top five pick. I think I'd rather have, my pecking order would be Pittsburgh lose one. Probably Dolphins make the playoffs two. And then the Houston draft choice would be third. I, I will put that below Miami making the playoffs. But honestly, if I could have the Dolphins make the playoffs, but have Pittsburgh head into the postseason undefeated? Eh, I'll take, uh, or have Pittsburgh, you know, into the postseason with one loss? I'll take my chances the Dolphins can make the playoffs on their own. I, I want to make sure, my number one priority is make sure Pittsburgh has one loss. That, that's really it. Next year, maybe a different story. Uh, but, you know, as much as I'm a big Dolphin fan, do I think they're going to beat, uh, you know, Houston in the postseason? No. Do I think they're going to beat Kansas City? No. They faced the Chefs in a couple of weeks anyway. So do I think they could beat Pittsburgh? <clears throat> no. You know, um, I do think they could beat Buffalo. I do think they could beat some of the other teams, you know, Indianapolis, uh, that might get into the AFC postseason. They wouldn't really face them, but although, you know, it, them winning the division would help their cause. So I do think they're capable of winning a game in the playoffs. But then that second game, whether it's Kansas City or Tennessee or uh, uh, Pittsburgh, they're probably not winning that game. So knowing that, I, I want to hold on to that legacy. I don't have a whole heck of a lot to hold on to as a Dolphin fan the last 25 years. I, I really don't. So um, if it means living in the past 40 years ago, I'll, I'll take that. I, I will. So let's go you know, Washington this weekend. If I could have one win, you know, me and Joe Lisi do in-game live on, on uh, Saturdays. And uh, right around 3 o'clock or so, right right around 
early fourth quarter of the noontime games, I say, Joe, it's that time again. What's that, Scott? If I can give you one touchdown, where do you want it? Or take away one touchdown if you happen to have an over. Where do you want it? You know, what what, what is your dream, goofy, defensive, out of the blue, punt return, touchdown? Where is it coming? Um, so for, for in this case, it's in the NFL. Where's that one goofy automatic without a shadow of a doubt win this weekend? If I could have one, it would be Washington beating Pittsburgh. Uh, Dolphins should be able to beat uh, Cincinnati on their own without my help. Uh, Indianapolis should beat Houston, albeit on the road, without my help. It's the it's the Redskins. It's the Washington football team. Uh, I'll never get used to that if they keep that for another season. Uh, it, it's the Skins. You know what? They're the uh, potato Skins. I said that. You know, when I say Redskins, I'm not talking Indians. I'm talking potatoes. Okay. So they're the Washington to pot- potatoes slash Redskins. So when the Redskins take on uh, Pittsburgh, uh, five o'clock. They, this one side has five o'clock. I guess it's going to be the, the early game. Um, I, I'm going with that. That would be the one. If I could have one win, I could put in my back pocket. That would be it this weekend. Washington knocking off Pittsburgh. Don't think it's going to happen, but it's amazing when you look at the NFC East. You got to figure all three teams are going to lose on Sunday. And then you have to figure, uh, and Monday, and then on Tuesday, you know, you got to figure Dallas, you know, more than likely, you never know. You know, if, if Trace McSorley is starting a quarterback from the Ravens, uh, then actually Dallas has has a shot. And if you get the Dallas Cowgirls that played against the Washington Redskins, then you got a shot as well. If you get the, the Dallas Cowgirls that played against, uh, you know, Washington, then uh, Minnesota Vikings, rather, two weeks ago, that Dallas, then you got a shot of winning. If you got the one that played against Washington, then then you have no shot at winning. So, but they are at least capable, especially if, uh, if uh, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson isn't back. But chances are, and it wouldn't matter anyway, even if they won, because they would still only have four losses. Chances are Seattle loses, uh, or Seattle beats the Giants, and Washington loses to Pittsburgh. That means the first place team in the NFC least is going to be four and eight. Four and eight. I mean, maybe, maybe Philadelphia beats Green Bay. That's not happening in Green Bay. It, it, it's not, but just even if they did, they would be four, seven, and one. The leader in the NFC is going to be four and eight, more than likely. How bad is that? That is just wow. And then you could be three, eight, and one, as Philadelphia will be. There'll be five games under 500, yet a half a game back. I mean, I know we say this every single week. I do, and we all do. It's it's nothing, you know, you know, ingenious here, but it you know, it has to be brought up. I mean, it is just remarkable. I told you, five and twenty at one time is the NFC East versus teams outside its competition, and two of those wins came against Cincinnati which was playing with a backup quarterback in that game. It wasn't even Joe Burrow, right? They were leading against Washington, and Burrow gets hurt. Washington wins. And then last week, you know, the Giants beat, uh, you know, uh, Cincinnati with the backup quarterback. So throw out two of the wins, <coughs> three and 20, three, 20 and one. And Dallas has two of the wins. They beat Atlanta and Minnesota. So, but regardless. Three and twenty against the rest of the league, man, that is just awful. Just 
absolutely. I, I didn't think this was going to happen. I really didn't. I know early on people talked about, you know, seven to nine team, eight and eight teams going to win. And, and I said, yeah, maybe eight and eight, you know, maybe, you know. Um, but I didn't think even seven and nine, but, you know, maybe seven and nine. I thought some of these teams, whether it was Dallas, whether it was Philadelphia, uh, I didn't really think Washington or the Giants, but I thought that the Eagles and Cowboys were both capable of turning things around. Uh, you know, five five wins could, you know, believe it or not, five wins could win this division. I don't think so. I, I think it's going to be six. Um, you know, Giants, are they going to beat Seattle? No. You know, maybe they can get a split out of Arizona and Cleveland back-to-back home games. They beating Baltimore on the road? You know, probably not. And then they finish up with Dallas. So you're looking at two wins if you're a Giant fan, two. If you're an Eagles fan, forget about it. Their schedule is brutal. Uh, Washington's schedule at four and seven. Uh, they have Pittsburgh. Got to be a loss, right? At San Fran the following week. You know, uh, it, it, if it's still Nick Mullins, it's a winnable game. But then he got Seattle, Ross, and Carolina, Philadelphia. Not bad, but... Six wins is going to get enough. Six and ten is going to win the tennis. You don't know how We do this 24 hours a day, every day. It's real. And it's here. We've got to come up with a better name for it than fantasy sports. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Another week for the fine week of bagels and bad beats uh, with a couple of things here. First up, uh, we'll give you a few winners and uh, some stories that we didn't have time to delve into. Winners. We're going to go with the football tonight. We got one game, Sunbelt Conference. Pretty good game. Going to grab App State Lane to two, two and a half against Louisiana Lafayette, which has already clinched a berth in the Sunbelt Championship game against Coastal Carolina. So App State has beaten Louisiana Lafayette eight straight times, including in the championship game the last couple of seasons, but they're out Lafayette is, or App State is. So they're really, this is their championship game, if you will, you know, especially if they don't get a chance to play in a bowl game, which they might not, depending on how many bowls are really going to be played. So uh, this could be it for them. It's their Super Bowl, whereas Louisiana Lafayette is playing for nothing. So give me App State laying to two and a half. And then I'm going to go with the Seton Hall plus three in college basketball against Oregon. It's a nine o'clock start. Should be a good game. Anyone's game. Uh, the whole team is pretty darn good, so I'm going to grab Seton Hall. A couple of stories here that we didn't have time to delve into. Did you see the, the high school football uh, game in which the dopey kid from one of the teams down in Texas, you know, ran onto the field and barreled over the official who just rejected him? I don't know what he did. He got into a fight or something. I'm not sure what, but he comes running back on the field after he finds out he's been ejected and just, just absolutely runs over this poor guy. Had to be taken off the field. Uh, you know, he got a concussion and everything else. Uh, if that kid plays high school football again, 
then uh, you know the society has uh, gone to, to hell in a handbasket. NBA starting training camps. Our poll question, Lee's favorite sport is the winner so far, soccer. It's a beautiful thing. 43%. NBA's making a comeback, though, at 35%. NHL, 14 And the proverbial other at 6.5%. Hey, great job by the phone callers, emailers, and tweeters all week long. Enjoy the weekend, folks. Be safe. And we'll talk to you Monday right here on Vegas and that. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.